Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. As the brothers are receiving the offering this morning, you can turn in your Bibles to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I'll tell you why it's one of my favorites in just a moment. But uh, John chapter 15. Uh, it's an incredible passage of Scripture. And I want to I share with you about something that God is looking for in our lives more than anything else. More than anything else. You know, sometimes we want to please God with everything that we do. You know, we want to do some big thing that's going to please Him and, and bring glory to Him. But there's one thing that God is looking for in our lives. And I, and I want to share it with you because in order for it to happen, sometimes it involves some pain in order for this to come forth. And that is that God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. Now, I, I remember a, a, a time in my life, and I've shared this before, so if, you know, if you've heard it before, just take notes on it and, and, um, so you can, you can keep it in your little book or whatever you're keeping or whatever. But uh, um, I, I had an experience when I was about uh, 20 years old before I met my lovely wife, Becky, and it, at the time that I went through it, it was horrible. Y'all ever been through those moments? And it started out like this. I, I, was, I was involved in a, in a Christian band. And we were one of the first contemporary bands. You know, we, were, we had drums in the band long before it was cool. I mean, before church, you know, while churches were still not letting drums in the church and stuff. And them electric guitars and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's how far back it goes. So I'm dating myself a bit. But... Anyway, we had a contemporary band, and we were cool, you know. And uh, I remember we got invited, invited to, to play at conventions and youth groups and things like that. And my brother had started the band, and he was quite a fabulous guitar player. And we had another guy in the band that was a great guitar player and another guy that was a pretty good guitar player. And, and uh, then I was on the drums, and another guy was on the bass. So uh, the, one of the guitar players quit, and... Then another guitar player quit, and my brother, one morning, he gets up, and, and uh, I'm getting ready to go to work, and he calls me into uh, the room, the kitchen there, and he says, uh, he said, I'm, I'm quitting the band. And we had, you know, had booked all of these gigs and stuff, and so I'm like, what? Now, what happened was, with him being the other electric guitar in the band, all we had left was an acoustic guitar, a bass and, and, and I played drums at the time. So I'm thinking, how's this going to fit? Bass, acoustic guitar, and drums. Of course, that's what we had this morning. But back then, that was a little different because all of our music was, was fashioned for the lead guitar and all this stuff. You know, it was kind of uh, upbeat and this kind of thing. So, I'm, so my heart just sank. And I'm thinking, wow, God, this, this really stinks, you know. So I, I, I go off to work, and I have a heavy heart. And I'm thinking about that all day long. And... About 11 o'clock, my supervisor comes around and gets me, and he, he said, I need you to come to the office. And so I went to the office, and then he tells me, he said, uh, he said I'm sorry to tell you, but production is down, you know, our, our orders are down a little bit and everything, and, and we've kind of overextended ourselves, so we're going to have to lay off a few people. And since you and the other guy that's with me, you were the last ones to get hired, we're going to have to lay you off. And this was a time when getting jobs, I mean, jobs were scarce as hen's teeth, you know. I mean, they're hard to find. And, um, and so I'm like, wow. So here I am, you know, and, and all the unemployment I was, was 
able to draw at that time was like $67 a week. That wasn't that long ago, but 67 bucks. I mean, come on, that'd be like, you know, $100 a week or something now. And so I'm like, wow. So I was really bummed, you know? And so I thought, wow, at least I still got my girlfriend. So I thought when I got off from work, I'll go to my girlfriend's house. She'll console me and all that stuff. So I go to her house and I walk in and she meets me. First thing she says to me, she said, I'm breaking up with you. I said, wow, it's a good thing I didn't have a dog because it would have died too, I'm sure. (laughs) So I'm thinking, you know, what's going on here? You know, so my heart's really heavy now because I'm just like brokenhearted and, you know, I just, so I go home and man, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind off of things. I mean, what do you turn? I mean, you can't go to work and and get comfort. You can't play in the band because the band's gone and can't turn to your girlfriend because she's gone. So the only thing I had to turn to was Jesus, which is a good thing. And so I'm, I'm down on my knees just, you know, squalling like a baby and crying. God, what's going on? <laughs> and, and I was a relatively young Christian. And so the Lord said to me, and I mean, I heard it. You ever hear those, you hear something. And the Holy Spirit directs you to something. And you know it's God because when you turn to it, God said to me, turn to John chapter 15. So I did. Y'all turn with me to John 15 right there for a minute. And, and this, this, is, this is what I, what my eyes fell upon. And it just blew me out of the water because I'm like, wow, God, you're talking to me now. Because this is what he said in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now read verse 2 with me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Aha. You ever have those aha moments? This is what's going on. God is pruning some things out in my life that have been unfruitful. And I'm thinking, well... The band. I mean, we were a Christian band. We were going around singing about Jesus. Now, how is this unfruitful? And the Lord says to me, yes, you were singing about me, sometimes singing to me, but you weren't doing it for me. You were doing it for yourself. There was a lot of pride involved because, man, I had gone out and bought my shelf this really cool set of slingerland drums. I mean, they were the top of the line in drum cases and everything else. And I set those things up, man, and I thought I was hot stuff. So now those things weren't worth a dime because you couldn't play them with a, I mean, the style of music we were playing, it, would, it just wouldn't fit with an acoustic guitar and a bass. So I had to take my drums and kind of shove them aside. And the girlfriend thing, you know, she was a nice girl and everything, but she wasn't the one for me. That's obvious. God knew the end from the beginning. He knew the future. And he knew what I needed. And so, you know, he pruned that out of my life for the moment so that set things up so I could meet her. Because the band that I had, even though, 
you know, it was, it was good and everything. What happened was that the three of us, because we were desperate, because we were desperate for God, we started, instead of having a 10-minute prayer session and a three-hour practice, we started having like a two-hour prayer session and a 20-minute practice. Guess what happened? God started giving us songs that spoke. God started giving us songs that resonated in the spirit. And it was good. It was good stuff, which led us to be able to go to a place where I was able to meet my wife. This is a cool thing. God knew exactly what he was doing, but God had to tear some things out of my life in order that I could bear fruit. He was looking for fruit that would last. Now, you know, meeting my wife and and having the band and all that stuff was just, that was all temporal things except for my wife, of course. She's still here with me. But the band thing, all that has passed on and and we've gone on, but, but it prepared me for a lot of things. You know, God used that opportunity to prepare me to be a worship leader, to help lead worship. I led worship for many, many, many years, as some of you know. And God also uh, used that time of getting alone with him and spending time, that moment of pain and that moment of searching after him. Because I tell you what, when, when, you, when you are in love with somebody and, and all of a sudden that, that's taken away, it, it leaves a void inside of you. There's a lot of pain in that. You know what I'm talking about? And looking for the, for the healing, for the hurt and everything, I turned to Jesus more and more and more. So I went hard after God, which is such a good thing. And God prepared me for the moment that I would meet my wife. And, and, and you know, beautiful thing, we met in March, got married in September. And two weeks after we met, we were in ministry. We didn't plan it that way. It's just the way God worked it. And well, what did we say? After we were married, I'm sorry. We met in March, got married in September. Two weeks after we married, we were in ministry. Thank you. We just got back from the honeymoon, basically. And the next thing you know, we were in, we were in ministry. Not full-time ministry, but we were in ministry. And she, she ended up working in the church as a secretary. I ended up being the youth pastor. And I did youth ministry for 18 and a half years before I ever pastored my first church. And some of the folks in here were actually in my youth group, believe it or not. And uh, so I'm a spiritual grandpa, spiritual great-grandpa, I guess, to a lot of folks. But uh, been around a long time is what I'm saying. But what I'm, what I'm trying to, the point is that Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And verse 4 is where I really want to go. I want to focus on verse 4 down to uh, verse 8. Verse 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless 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 it does what? Abides in me. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For, say it with me, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. By this is my father glorified. And how is that? 
that you bear much fruit. And this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, when you talk about the proof of the pudding, you talk about the fruit that's in a person's life. That, that's what sets us apart. And that's what Jesus is looking for. But in order for that to happen, we have to stay connected. Everybody say connected. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now the church, the ecclesia, is called in Ephesians the body of Christ. It's called the body of Christ. So there's a connectivity there, that we have to be connected to the body of Christ. We have to be connected to Christ in order for us to bear fruit. If we don't, then we do what? We wither up and we die. We need that connectivity. We need that relationship. That word abide is from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, meno. And it means to have relationship with, to stay in relationship with, to live with, to abide with, to stay under, to stay beside, to stay connected to. That's what it means. And so if you abide with me, he says, you will bear much fruit if you abide in me. So that's where it's at. We have to stay connected to Jesus. Now, a lot of things will come along that will try to disconnect us. You know, sometimes we get, we get hurt. Anybody ever been church hurt? And most of us have been church hurt some point or another in our life. You know, we've had somebody say something to us or somebody do something to us or something about us or whatever, and it's hurt our feelings. And, 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 and so what is the first response to offense, whether it come by hurt feelings or what, what's normally the thing that we do? We have a tendency to do what? Pull away. We withdraw. So we did, we unplug, we disconnect from the body. And so we go and, and then we begin to think about all the things that have happened to us. And we begin to we begin to replay it over and over in our head. You know, so and so hurt me. You know, they just really stink. And I'm just, you know, they're just, I'm never going back to church again. And so the devil has got us where he wants us to because then we become an unfruitful vine. We become unfruitful because we are not connected. Because the thing that causes us to be fruitful is that we are connected. We stay plugged in. You know, my wife and I have, a, have an old Electrolux vacuum cleaner, and I've tried other vacuum cleaners and everything else, and I keep going back to that one because it works so good. But the only thing I don't like about it, it's got a short cord. So you're working with it, you know, it's got a long hose but a short cord, and next thing you know, it's like... It keeps getting disconnected. It's kind of aggravating, you know, to have to go back and keep plugging that thing back in. And, you know, some people are just like that too. They work good as long as you keep them connected. It's just so... Hot and big and hard because we got such short cords to keep us connected. And so we can never really get involved in the things that God is calling us to do because of our failure to connect. We know that God wants us to go deeper. We know that God wants us, wants us to produce fruit in our lives. But the problem is we've got so many other things that we cannot get connected 
and the devil will help us. You know, there's an acronym for busy. You know what the acronym for busy, busy is? Busy means being under Satan's yoke. Being under Satan's yoke. You know, I hear it all the time. Well, pastor, you know, I would love to do this, but I'm just so busy. I'd love to help out with the fundraiser, but I'm so busy. I'd love to come help you out on Saturdays, but I'm so busy. I'd love to be more involved in the church, but I am so busy. And Satan has us right where he wants us to be because he gets us so involved in everything. And we, get, we, we're, we don't know how to say that one anointed word. I want to teach you a word that's so anointed. It's got such power with it. I'm going to help you out with something this morning. Here's the word. Everybody, everybody stick your tongue. Go, mm. All right, go like, no. Practice that. No. It's okay to say no. Because, you know, people will come along and they will ask you to do things. And, you know, we have to pick what we're going to do. We call it prioritizing. And, and this will help you. This is a spiritual thing. Prioritizing is spiritual. We call it seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, 37. Seek first. Or 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And, and, and when we do that, God causes something amazing to happen in our life. We bear fruit. We become fruitful. Because, you know, I, I used to have this little plaque that used to hang on the wall. It says, and, and it made a lot of sense. I guess God used it until it wasn't needed anymore, and so I don't know what happened to it. But anyway, it used to say this. It said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Because the things that we do for him are the things that will produce fruit in our life. And that's, that's what Jesus said. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Then he goes on to say, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We do a lot of things in our life and, and they produce fruit. But the problem is they produce the wrong kind of fruit. Everything produces fruit. You know that? Every action has an equal reaction. It's called the law of reciprocity, sowing and reaping. Whatever we sow, that shall we also reap. So whatever we sow is what we're going to get in return. You know, uh, some folks have never learned the principle of tithing because they, they, they wait to get started, and they keep waiting to get started because they don't understand the principle of tithing is this, that we trust God with the first fruits of all of our labors, not the last fruits. So when we give him the first fruits of our labors, then he blesses the other. That's, it's like sowing seed in fertile ground. And he blesses the other so that what we have left, God has blessed so that it goes farther. Wow. But if we do the other in reverse, then we do what is talked about in Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. It's like we're putting money in a bag with holes in it. Because we're not sowing it in the way that God wants us to. Or if we do, we're sowing it improperly. Without faith. Listen, 
I, I encourage you when you tithe to do it in faith, believing. Believing what? That as I give, that God is going to cause whatever I give to be blessed. That I'm sowing it into fertile ground and that all my needs are going to be met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and according to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 20, that as I give the first fruits of all of my labors, my barns are going to be filled with plenty and my vats are going to be running over with new wine. That's cool stuff. Hi, Frank. You slipped in on me. Good to see you. God is so good. <laughs> he came all the way from California. I said I had to say hi to him. God wants us to bear, to bear fruit. And apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. So the kind of fruit that is born is determined by the kind of seed that is sown. If Christ is in you and you're abiding in him, you will bear the fruit of what? Come on, help me out. If you are abiding in him and he is abiding in you, what is inside of you? The, starts with an S and ends with a T. The spirit. If Christ is in you, which is the hope of glory, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is the fruit? I mean, that's much fruit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? We, we, we know what it says um, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 23. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sin, sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And verse 14 says, the entire law is summed up in a single command Love your neighbor as yourself. I was just reading this morning that in, in the book of Exodus concerning the law, that when the law was given, there were ten commandments. And on these ten commandments, the Pharisees and the scribes added 603 commandments on top of that because they tried to define what the law meant. I mean, it's pretty plain, you know. So they had to help people out by defining what. So, so they added all these extra laws to the law. 613 laws. Wow. So you can imagine what the bondage of the law was like. I mean, when you talk about being circumcised, that was enough. But when you talk about all of the other stuff that they had to do in order to try to please God. And now Paul is saying to the Galatians, you no longer have to be circumcised. You no longer have to follow the law because you have been set free because Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law and sin and death by becoming a curse for you so that the blessings of Abraham can come upon you. So now you're free. And he says, because of this, he says, then as, because you're, he says, don't indulge your sinful nature, rather by love serve one another. And, and then he summed it all up. Now, Jesus summed up the entirety of the law with this one thing. He says, the, the greatest commandment, the greatest of all commandments is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And what's the second one? He says the second one's like the first one. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is a fulfillment of the law that covers it all. Because if you love, if you love, then you're not going to do all the other things. If you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength, you're not going to use his name in vain. You're not going to steal. You're not going to kill. You're not going to uh, try to defraud your neighbor or any of those other things. You're not going to set up false idols and all that stuff. So he goes on to say, he says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So that's the adverse fruit. 
that is born if we don't love. That's what happens if we don't love. We, we bite and devour one another. We destroy each other with our mouths. He says, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And in verse 6, he says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Wow. I mean... If, if, if you want to know what the acts of the sinful nature are, Paul says, this is what to look for. This is the fruit of a person who's not connected to God. And what is it? He says, well, first of all, there's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Anybody had any of those lately? <laughs> Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and y'all can say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we keep in step with the Spirit, if we listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives, and and then we reject those things which of the flesh are very obvious, and so that when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and, and we are obedient to Him and we reject those things of the flesh which we know to be flesh because the Spirit, you know, God has written His law in our hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that, says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, and who can know it? God says, it is I who tries the reins of the hearts. And then also in Jeremiah, he says that I'm going to put a new spirit within you, a a heart of flesh. And and God goes on to say that he has written his laws in our heart. He's written them in our heart so that we know what is of God and what isn't. And God has given us a spiritual barometer inside of our minds and our hearts, and it is called a conscience. Anybody have one of those? You know, you, you know when, you, when you do something or you start to do something and already your conscience is saying, no. And, and, and we kind of reject that thought. And it's like the conscience says, no. And, and we like, you know, kind of like a kid that's getting ready to do something they know they shouldn't do. And, and mama's going like, no, no, no. I'm not telling you again. <laughs> and, and so they reject it. And then, no, and so finally, because the Holy Spirit is gentlemen, we go ahead and do what we want to do. And therefore, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we quench the Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do that. The Holy Spirit is like a dove. He's gentle and kind and sweet and and precious. And, And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we become unfruitful. We basically, in our hearts, disconnect. We start doing our own thing, producing the wrong kind of fruit. We become like an unfruitful vine. We start to wither up in our spirit. We start to dry up. Everybody ever, ever, anybody ever been in a dry place? You know, and, and, and you wonder why you're in a dry place. 
and you sit down, you start doing spiritual inventory, and then all of a sudden, oh, wow, I see what's going on here. I haven't been reading the Word like I should. I haven't been praying like I should. I've been not going to, and, and, and plugging into fellowship like I should. You know, there are a lot of things in my life that, that I have to take responsibility for, and, and when I disconnect, then I become unfruitful, and I start to wither up. And Jesus goes on to say, and he tells us what happens when we wither up. What happens? He says, those that become unfruitful, the unfruitful branches, what happens to them? They're gathered up. They're cast into the fire and they're burned. You know, many will stand before the Lord on judgment day. And, and, and when, when we stand before Christ at the Bema seed, the judgment seat of Christ, and he will look at us. He will judge us. God will judge us on the basis of whether we've accepted his son or not. And if we have, as believers, we will stand before Christ. And when we stand before Christ, we will be rewarded, whether good or bad, for the things that we've done in the flesh. And so all the unfruitful things that we have done are going to be like piled into a pile. They're going to be burned up. All of our works are going to be burned up. And only the things that have been fruitful for the kingdom are the things that are going to remain. They're like gold and silver. Those things will remain. Those are the things that we will be rewarded for. God is looking for fruitfulness in our lives. I know a lot of us sit down and, and, we, and we take inventory of the past year and we say, well, you know, this past year, there's some things this year I'd like to do better. I pray that one of the things that you put on the top of your list is I want to be more fruitful in the kingdom. I want to be a priority in my life. I want to be, I want to count more for the kingdom of God. I want my life to be fruitful. I pray that that's your number one priority for the year. How does that going to happen? Well, you have control of that. Nobody else does. I mean, I can't make you more fruitful. I can water you. I can feed you. But you have to eat. You have to be watered, but you have to determine that you're going to stay grounded and you're going to become rooted and you're going to grow up in him. That's something that's determined by you. And you're going to be productive in the kingdom. You're going to bear fruit, the fruit of righteousness. How do we do that? Well, you know, according to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is first of all what? Love. Now, here's the thing. If we love God, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, we're going to love the things that God loves, and we're going to hate the things that God hates. That makes sense? And as we love the things that God loves and we hate the things that God hates, we begin to look around us and we begin to see hurting people. We begin to see hurting situations. We begin to see things that, that, that God is concerned about. Therefore, it drives us to our knees in prayer, which shows that not only do we love God, we, have, we are determined that we're going to, not that we're trying to produce fruit, as we love and we love God and we love the things that God loves, he makes us more patient with people. And we have a joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as we love God and as we love one another, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another, that you're joy may be full. So if we love one another, we got joy. I found that people that love people are the most joyful people in the world. They're just full of joy because they don't hate nobody. 
People go around hating. They're just bitter, old, angry people. You know? So don't be hating. Be somebody that loves. So you're more patient with people. And because you got the love of Jesus in you, you know, when somebody does something you don't like, you're more long-suffering. You don't get angry so quick. You know, you can put up with a lot more stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Because you love. And also, you will be more gentle with people. You won't be so harsh. You won't hurt people so much. And, you know, the, the list goes on down. You'll be more, you have more self-control, more meekness. The word for meekness, you know, you know what meekness is? Meekness is like this, this, this 650-pound female tiger or tigress. And, 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 you know, she can, she can take an antelope and she can just crush it in her mouth. Just crush its bones and just chew it up. And yet, with those same jaws, she can go over and pick up her little, her little baby, little baby tiger, by the neck. Those same jaws that just she'll crush an antelope. And, and just pick up that little baby and just carry it to safety and deposit it there. Now, she could crush that baby at any second, but she doesn't because she has meekness. She has self-control. That's what meekness is. A lot of times we have the, we have the ability to hurt people. We have the ability to strike out and lash out, but we don't. It's called meekness. Strength under control. You have all of these things, and it all goes back to this one thing, the love of God. We have a love for God and our love for God because we love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. It gives us the ability to do the second one, which is love our neighbors, ourselves, which is, gives us the ability to do all these other things. So that helps us to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's a byproduct of who we are and who Jesus is inside of us because we're connected to him. But without him, it wouldn't be there. You know, I, I tell you folks all the time, if you knew me in my B.C. days, you wouldn't like me very much. I didn't even like me very much. But the change that Jesus made inside, I mean, you may not even like me now. and That's okay, but Jesus does. And he has changed me. And Blake, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not yet arrived you know, I'm like Paul. Paul says, I've not yet arrived, but I am determined to forget those things which are behind and to keep pressing onward toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to be that place where God wants me to be. I'm not so much concerned about what others expect of me. I want to be where he wants me to be. My goal is to please him. And I want to bear fruit for the kingdom. I want to be a fruitful branch. I want to be one that when God looks at, or when people look at me, or when God looks at me, it doesn't matter who's looking at me. Even the devil looks at me. He can say, well, I don't like that guy. He got too much fruit. I want others. You know, not everybody's going to like you. Jesus said that in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. He said that right after he said that, you know, people didn't like him. 
I mean, who couldn't not like Jesus? Well, believe it or not, there was a bunch of people who didn't because he was a threat to them. And you were a threat to a lot of people if you were a truly godly person. You know that? You're a threat to the way people think. You're a threat to the ideology of the world. And the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God, so vice versa. Friendship with God is enmity with the world. It puts us at odds because we're going in different directions. So with that thought in mind, not everybody's going to love you. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But he said, rejoice. Be happy. Rejoice when men say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Be happy. So, you know, when somebody persecutes you and you come to me, oh, Pastor, I just got persecuted. I'll just pat you on the back and say, good for you. Praise the Lord. I'm happy for you. You got persecuted. That means that it's showing. The love of Jesus is for real in your life because if it wasn't, you wouldn't get persecuted. You'd be accepted by the ideology and the things of the world. It wouldn't matter. But listen, folks, determine that you're going to stay connected to Jesus. Determine that you're going to bear fruit. Determine that the fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of your lives. And how does that happen? By being connected to the vine. How do we connect to the vine? I'm going to give you three ways. First of all, it's through prayer. We stay connected through the prayer. We talk to God. Not only do we talk to him, we let him talk to us. And I would encourage you folks to let him do most of the talking. That's why be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let God speak to you. Get along with God. Ask him questions and then wait for the answer. You know, a lot of times we go to God and we already have the answer before we go to him. We're just wanting him to put his stamp of approval on it. And God says, no, I'm not going to... I'm not going to prove that because it doesn't line up with my word. You know what I'm saying? But the promise of God is this. If my words abide in you and you abide in my words, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. So if we line it up with the word of God, we can ask with confidence. We can ask in faith, believe in God and knowing that when we do, God is going to hear and he's going to respond. So we stay connected through prayer, number one. Number two, we stay connected through the word. We stay connected through the word. I like to call it this. There are three words for word. Three translations for the word word in the Bible. Unfortunately, in our English translation, we only get one. And those three words are this. Grafe. It's the written word. Our Bibles, we call them. Our written word. So we read the word. And then we have the logos. As we read the word of God, it becomes the logic of God. It becomes the logos, the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. You know, we understand that, that Jesus was the word. He was the revelation of God to us. So we understand that he was the logic of God. He is the logos of God. Then we have the other word for word is the word rhema. R-H-E-M-A. The word rhema. Simply means this. As you read the word and as you allow the word to minister to you and to speak to you, as you becomes a part of the fabric of your being, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. As it becomes a part of who we are, then when you are in those times 
When you need God to speak directly to you, he will give you a rhema. It's a revelation from God himself that nobody else can give you, or maybe God will use someone to give you a rhema through a word of knowledge or, or a word of wisdom, or maybe even through a tongue and an interpretation or some other way. But all of a sudden, it's like the light comes on. Boom, revelation, the lid's taken off. I understand now. I understand. God has given you a rhema. So the word, the other one is koinonia, fellowship. Stand connected. Forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. I'm going to give you the whole scripture here. Okay, we need the whole counsel of the word, right? So, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 26 says, Forsake not the assembling together of yourselves, as the manner of some is. And encouraging one another, and so much the more, as you see... That day approaching. What day is that? The coming of the Lord. Thank you. As you see that day approaching. For there is no more sacrifice remaining. There's no more sacrifice for those who willfully sin. After that, they have received the knowledge of the truth. But there's a certain fiery looking for a judgment which shall devour The adversary. Who's our adversary? Satan himself. So that's a stern warning for the believer to stay connected. To continue to bear fruit. Because when Jesus comes, one thing he's going to look for is fruit. And the things that he has planted inside of us, the things that have been planted by the word, the things that have stayed true to him, are the things that are going to stand the test of judgment and the fire. And all the things that we do that don't mount to a hill of beans. My question for you is, anything that you do, ask the question. If things are of massive importance, family is important. My children, my grandchildren, they're important to me. So it's important that they know Jesus. Because the question is this. Will it matter a hundred years from now? Will it? Are the things that you are sowing so much into, are they eternal? Are they eternal? Are they just temporal? Are they just temporal? I I had to laugh yesterday. I I, I was uh, taking a shower and I had my radio on. And I don't even know what program it came on. I was listening to a basketball game or something and it had gone off. And there was a radio program came on and they were talking about ISIS. And they were talking about some of the, uh, the people that ISIS had recruited and they had gone to some of the foreign countries to serve with ISIS. You know, they have this grandiose idea of what it's going to be like. Now I'm going to get to go and cut off a few heads and stuff, I guess. I don't know what they're thinking. But when they get there, they realize that they didn't have, they couldn't use their iPods, other iPads. And it was cold. And so a lot of them are trying to leave and go back. Only once they get into it, they can't get out. And they have these grandiose ideas of what it's going to be like until they get there. You see, that's the way the enemy operates in our lives. He makes us think that what we're getting into is just so glamorous and so cool and so good. And once we get our foot stuck in it, it's like we can't get it out. 
we're stuck. We've got nowhere to go. We can't go back. But I want to tell you this. That the grace and the mercies of God has pulled you out, has called you out. And he's not letting go of you because he loves you too much. But he wants you to stay planted. He wants you to stay focused. He wants you to bear fruit. That's what he's looking for. And by this will other men know that you're my disciples if you have that love for one another. And this way you will glorify God if you bear much fruit. Amen? Amen. So that's what God is after. So put that at the top of your priority list. You know, my New Year's resolution is that I'm going to be more resolute in serving Jesus. I'm going to be more resolute in producing fruit in my life, the good things, the things that God wants, the God things, because nothing else really matters. In the grand scheme of things, you know, if it's not eternal, then we have to put the eternal things at the top of the list because those are the things that are going to last. Amen? I hope that's made sense to you today. Well, I want to pray for you because I know that, that fruit production takes a lot of work. You know, um, we, we have a garden and we've got some trees and things. And, and Lydia gave me some blueberry bushes a couple of years ago. And uh, they're, they're getting almost to the point that they're going to start producing fruit. You know, it takes about three years for a blueberry bush to start to produce. And I think I had a couple berries came on last year, but the squirrels got them before I could. But, uh, you know, I, I believe that the tree is going to get to a place where it will give the squirrels blueberry belly. They'll get sick off of them or whatever. You know, but uh, it, it's growing. But the thing of it is, it has to be nurtured. It has to be fertilized. It has to be pruned. It has to be kept. You know, it, it's got to be cared for in order for it to produce fruit. And the same thing is true in your lives, too. You have to care for your spiritual lives. You have to nurture it. You have to see to it that it's nurtured. And God sends people into your lives. You know, Paul said of himself and Apollos, he says that Apollos planted and I watered, but it's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. And so as much as we can sow into you and as much as we can give into you, as much word as we can plant inside of you, it's still not enough. You still have your part to do. You have to remain planted. You have to remain connected. And pretty soon you'll begin to bear the fruit that God is looking for in your lives. And many of you are already. I see it. I see it all over the place. I mean, y'all are fruitful people. And, and that's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to be fruitful, not just fruity. And he's not looking for fruit cakes. He's looking for fruitfulness. So, and I think that equates to faithfulness and fruitfulness and things that God has called us to. But that is determined by you. I, I can't make you. I can't make you fruitful. You can become fruitful as you stay planted, and as you grow in the things of the Lord. It comes naturally. It's a byproduct of who you are. Amen. It's your character being revealed, and that's what God's looking for. I see it in you. You're you're a lovely bunch of people. Praise God. There's a fruitful one right there. Praise God. I want to pray for you this morning. And, and I know, you know, I know we struggle with these things, folks. And, and you know, I, I've always wanted things in my life and, and wanted to take the shortcut. Anybody ever been there? It's like, you want it, you want it now. Like, Lord, I, I want patience and I want it right now. 
But we know what it takes to get patience. The trying of your faith works patience. And, you know, that, that only comes by experience. That only comes by going through the fire and being tried. So there are certain things that have to take place. You know, every garden that grows has got to have several things. It's got to have water. But it's also got to have dryness. Too much water will flood it out. Too much dryness will call it dries up wither. You know, we, we all need the balance in our lives. And, and that's what God is looking for in you. He's looking for you to have a balanced, godly life in him. Amen? So, I want you to say this with me. God, I want to be fruitful. I determine that I'm going to stay connected to the vine. Because Jesus is my lifeline. And his body is where I stay connected. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. Because by it, I grow. I get direction. I get strength. And you're able to speak to me. Lord, I pray that your word would become central to my life. That I would not only just read it, but I would digest it. That I would meditate on it. Until it becomes a part of my being. And then it can produce the things that you're looking for in my life. Help me, Lord, to become centered. To stay focused. And, Lord, to realize that there's some things in my life that need to be pruned. And help me, Lord, to stay still when you're doing the pruning. And even when it hurts, to trust you through the process. And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Because in the next year, when I look back, I will be able to see that I've grown. That I'm producing fruit. That I'm becoming more credible in the kingdom of God. And that your fruit is more visible to those around me. And I thank you for these things. For ask them in the name of Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer with sincerity, and if you didn't, I don't want you to say it. But if you did, I want you to say this with me. Amen. Amen. Because what you said is I agree. I agree. So be it. You prayed that prayer. God heard you. I was praying it too. Because, folks, that's what I want more than anything. I want to be fruitful for the kingdom. It's just work to be done. My wife will tell you, she sees things in my life that need to be cut out. She knows. I know some things about her too. But it's not my job to cut it out. It's his job. And I want to say this too, folks. Listen. The Word of God says... By their fruits, you shall know them. Who? False prophets. Pseudo-Christians. By their fruits, you shall know them. And, you know, the Bible says we're not called to be judges. We're not. And some would say, well, we're called to be fruit inspectors. No, you're not. Because while you're going around 
looking for the speck in your brother's eye, you might miss the log in your own. So the only fruit you're called to inspect is in your own life. You know, if we would judge ourselves, then we would not be judged. So, I just want to kind of throw that out there for you. Look at yourself. My dad used to say, the man I have most trouble with is the one I shave every morning. He said, I can get along with everybody else, but he's the worst. Of course, he wasn't a barber either. So you get what I'm saying. So we have, the, we have enough trouble, enough work in dealing with ourselves. Start there. Start there. Stay there. Amen? Amen. But, you know, there are some times that God has us to take a look. And someone will come along and they will say, I want to, I have a word from God for you. Listen, if you don't know them, know them that labor among you. Don't stop and listen to every Yahoo that comes along and says, I got a word for you. Sometimes God may send someone, and if it lines up with the scripture, receive it. If it doesn't line up with the scripture, reject it. Unless the scripture is, Judas went out and hanged himself, go and do thou likewise. Reject that. Amen? Be wise enough to discern and know the difference. That's why it's important that we get in the Word ourselves. Amen? Well, God bless you, folks. I love you. I just want to share that with you, and um, let's stand. Now go and be fruitful. Amen. You've been listening to Destiny City a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.